Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective. <laughs> it is a new week. Um, we have a topic today. I think uh, is today President's Day. I think it is. I would think it is because of the topic we're discussing here. Hashtag not my President's Day, more like. Now, uh, something I've seen in recent years is that a lot of people just don't really quite understand how elections or uh, it's not about voter fraud. It's just literally about elections themselves. You know, like Obama wins. People go, nope, he's not the president. Okay. Uh, Trump wins. Nope, nope, nope. Not my president. Okay. Now, uh, who's president now? Joe Biden. Nope, nope. Not my president. Okay. I'm not sure you guys understand how this works. And then, of course, there's the recalling. Everyone, let's recall the governor of California. Now, I know it's been done before. Arnold Schwarzenegger, back when I was a teenager, I remember him successfully leading the charge to recall the elected governor and have a re-election, which Arnold won. So I know that is a thing. But still, I mean, I thought the whole point of winning something, winning an election, is that you're sort of locked in place for a little while. People can't just decide they don't the, the side that lost can't just then say, no, we don't like this. And you're not my president or not my governor. Right. Anyway, I'll calm down. As you can see, I'm very angry. I've got COVID-19. I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the show, but let me tell you real quick. Um, we are now on Clubhouse, this hot new app for iPhone users, Clubhouse. Look it up. Find someone that has it. They need to like vouch for you to, to send you the, the, the invite. It's that kind of club, bruh, for now. And um, we're on it. We are going, we, we had our first ever, quote, weekly objective episode yesterday on Sunday. And today and every day after the daily objective, we're going to be having the stoppage meeting, the stoppage. Now that for those of you from America and from various other kind of normal speaking countries, stoppage is a football term by which I mean soccer. Stoppage time, says Razi. That's right. Stoppage time. So come on by. We're going to have kind of like a post-show discussion wrap up for, I think, 15 minutes or so after every show. We're going to have some special guests. I think you're going to really like Clubhouse if, if you join. It's uh, You'll be surprised who might show up. And um, there's something very sort of uh, personal about it because you get really close to uh, people sometimes that are public figures like Elon Musk could stop by the club. We don't know. He's probably Red Rand. You might see the names and join the club. So enter the room, I should say. Anyway, join, join us at Rozzy Ginsburg, Rozzy Ginsburg on Clubhouse to so you can know about, um, you know, when we're meeting, when the club room is taking place. Anyway, uh, oh, right away, off the bat, thank you for the super chat, Alex, in the chat room. He sent us two Canadian dollars, and he says, Biden is not my president. Of course, I am Chinese. That is not funny, Alex Yang. He's not your president because you're Canadian, uh, presumably by the currency you sent us. Now, let's talk about presidents. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll start by cheating, and then I'll introduce the co-host. Uh, my first good president is George Washington. That's right. I know. Stunning and brave because uh, he was a man of principle. He probably could have remained in power and been like the next Napoleon, you know, successfully leading a revolution against tyranny and then basically crowning himself as the emperor. But he was a man of principle. And for that alone, I nominate George Washington as the best. I know. So, so unusual. It really takes a hero to stand up 
to stand up and, and say that George Washington was one of the greats. Uh, and with that, let's uh, let's meet a guy who, you know, he might someday be president himself. I I, I believe he was born in America. Uh, he's a California guy. That's a big state. You know, a lot of people vote for their home, local <clears throat> hometown hero. Uh, he's already well on his way. Well spoken, articulate, uh, good hair. Let's be honest. That's that's how you become president. <laughs> if Trump taught us anything, please welcome Mark Pellegrino. Hey, what's up, Rucka? You feeling all right with your COVID-19? A little better each day. I thank you for noticing I have COVID. I probably uh, I don't remember mentioning it. <laughs> you, yeah. You, yeah, thank you. Um, I, I, you didn't mention it, so I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that you were suffering under the COVID. Good sense of humor you got. That's going to be useful on the campaign trail. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, to me, to me, uh, we, we, it's not like the, the, the last few elections have been, you know, historical ano anomalies where we've had protests and people thinking that the candidate that is in is illegitimate. It's, we have a historical precedent for this kind of thing, going back to John Adams and of course, John Quincy Adams and Rutherford B. Hayes and Samuel Tilden. And then we even had in our, in our history uh, uh, a complete delegitimization de of Abraham Lincoln and Jefferson Davis became the president of an entirely different part of the United States. So, so people uh, having issues about, uh, about who uh, is president is, is not, uh, un-American to me, it's, it's very American have this kind of controversy. I would question what, by what metric do we, do we measure a good president? What standard do we hold a, a president accountable to? I would venture to say that presidents who have reputations for being the greatest presidents of all time, if we were to probably pick out the top 10, we would find authoritarian activist presidents in there who have done more to ruin the constitution and come between you and your individual rights <laughs> than almost anybody else. Um, uh, and so I would, I would nominate them for the worst possible presidents and the greatest presidents would be uh, those handful of true Republican, constitutional Republican uh, types. Uh, Washington, of course, being one of my favorites. Um, who who really believed that the constitution was a barrier between the political class and the individual um, and those you could probably count on one hand right i mean how many would you how many would you come up with offhand um i mean i literally came up with two in preparation for this episode <clears throat> but if not for that i would well, have basically said oh some of the founders and that's basically it that with like you said so well, not even not even yeah i mean the founders even had their sketchy folks right i mean didn't john adams uh, didn't John Adams pass the Alien and Sedition Act? Didn't he jail people? He wanted to make it a crime for newspapers to say crappy things about the government, critical things. Well, about you the know, government. the government, they know things about aliens that we're not aware of. You know, look, uh, look up Area That's 51. True. So anyway, jokes aside. Yes, of course. Andrew Jackson. Well, he was not was he a founder or was, was he the second generation? Or was he the second, second generation? President? Yeah, but he was yeah. the seventh. He was the seventh president. Oh, then by that by that time, I mean, especially with the life expectancy of those days, that's like saying, you know, two or three generations maybe uh, from the start. And the way I look at America, both politically and intellectually, especially intellectually, like the founding is sort of the 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 good the climax. The founding is the uh, sort of um, culmination of all the good stuff in philosophy that that had been collected by thinkers and. They finally got it together and established a country based on the kind of the good elements of the Enlightenment. And then 
every generation since then has been working against that enlightenment. And in, in politics, maybe it took a bit longer for the political uh, system to be chipped away at, but uh, definitely a hundred years down the road, uh, you have who I consider, you know, I had to pick worst and best. I chose uh, Teddy Roosevelt um, as my bad guy because um, I didn't even choose Franklin Roosevelt. You know, it's there's this sort of uh, view out there like, oh, Teddy's the, you know, the capitalist relative to his cousin. Teddy Roosevelt, he's the Republican. He's he's one of the good guys. No. Well, first of all, um, Teddy Roosevelt he sort of, um, he set a precedent with a C, that he's the president with a precedent. He started, um, <coughs> I think, designating large blocks of land to environmental preservation. And he started tr- turning America into this project, into this, you know, operation. Let's go around the world and get involved in various shenanigans. And there might have been a time when there might have been instances where getting involved entangled around the world was appropriate. Let's say there was an American big company that many Americans relied on to get their um, fuel or something from, and that company was being attacked overseas. I can understand a president sending the military over there, but <laughs> the uh, understanding I have of Teddy Roosevelt is that he was very much into going above and beyond the proper role of government. And really started treating the government like kind of a community effort to like, well, what do we want? Not just what do we need to protect? What do we need protection from? But just, hmm, how could we sort of make this work a little bit better for everyone? And uh, here comes environmental protection agencies. Here comes uh, 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 tampering with people's property rights. And of course, military um, ventures that have nothing to do with protecting the individual rights of Americans. So um, it's not that Roosevelt was like the worst of his kind, but he may have been the first of his kind. So I wonder, I I feel like executive power really expanded under Abraham Lincoln. I mean, who's in the midst of being historically repudiated, unfortunately, because there was a lot of great things about him that we shouldn't throw into the dustbin of history. But one, one of those things is not the expansion of executive power because once once government expands, it tends not to contract <laughs> after that. And so I, I think he was one of the first in in expanding executive power to the degree that he did. Um, certainly, Teddy Roosevelt is the more modern example of somebody who didn't want to be constrained by the Constitution and thought that the, the and, and said it straight out that the presidency was a bully pulpit. He, he felt that he should roam around the world with a big stick and he was an imperialist and a nationalist and an anti-free marketer who thought the government should largely stick its fingers in everything and control everything. And one of the people he persecuted was, a, was the great uh, entrepreneur, James Jerome Hill of the Northern Railroad. Um, and his observation of Hill, I think, when he met him was, you know, this, now, now just, just keep in mind, you have a, a Harvard-educated pre- uh, president, um, who's read lots of books, but was totally unsuccessful in every business venture and had to become a success through force, through becoming a public servant, meeting a guy who by, by the force of his will and native intelligence was able to build a railroad single-handedly uh, all the way to the West Coast and initiate trade with, with uh, Asia uh, and, and bring, trade, bring trade into the United States. It, Teddy Roosevelt's observation of him was that he was an illiterate, stupid man. 
Well, he was probably just a jealous man because he couldn't succeed in business and so proceeded for the rest of his term to bludgeon James Jerome Hill as often as he could with antitrust. <clears throat> so he was a bully. He was certainly, he was certainly, I, I don't, I don't look at Lincoln as a bully as, as much as a, as an intelligent man and a, a superior statesman attempting to navigate nearly impossible territory and expanding powers because it was sort of necessary when your neighbor is in your backyard. I could understand some of the expansions of powers that, that Lincoln did. Um, but that they didn't come from a from a bully. They came from a man attempting to hold the union together. And I think that's why the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial stand in opposition to each other because they both kept the union together. Were it not for Washington and his 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 sort of inherent sense of what uh, a constitutional republic should look like, and and Lincoln's sense of what a, a a federated union of the United States should look like, we wouldn't have that today. We we would, who knows what we would be. It's maybe something like the EU. But I agree with you. Teddy Roosevelt was a huge bully. Now, who else after him? I mean, Woodrow Wilson came after him. He was the int more intellectual version of the bully, but he certainly carried, he certainly carried uh, the baton quite a bit further, don't you think? Yeah, in my understanding, um, and there's a book I've recommended before called Liberal Fascism, which is written by a sort of National Review conservative named Jonah Goldberg. So um, it's a bit of a partisan book, like he rips on Hillary Clinton every other paragraph, like whereas he sort of gives a lot of Republicans a bit of a pass. But it, it's a great historical uh, documentation of kind of how progressivism uh, set its foot in America and so many of the crimes that America has committed was brought about by Democrats, by progressives, by so-called liberals, by, by self-identified fascists before fascist was a dirty word. So, you know, and like f fast forward to, you know, 10 years ago when Goldberg was writing this book, you see conservatives sticking up for America and like downplaying all the atrocities as though like they need to um, defend America by downplaying the atrocities. But Goldberg is making the point like, no, condemn the atrocities, but recognize these were progressives. These were people saying they're doing it in the name of the community, of the, the nation. I mean, nationalism, of course, was a progressive advent. And <clears throat> Woodrow Wilson, I don't know if he was directly friends with Adolf Hitler, but there were Americans that were. And I think Wilson... Uh, might have either called himself a fascist or been kind of like one of the uh, big shots of that whole sort of budding scene. He took America into World War I. And so if Teddy Roosevelt be, um, sort of uh, kind of dug the grave for America's foreign policy, Woodrow Wilson like shoved America into it and began covering us in dirt before we could even notice what's going on. He sent America into World War I and explicitly said it would be a great national adventure. That's the purpose of going to war, right? To, to be united as a nation in an adventure. What a sick person, of course. And he was a very racist. And I know a lot of people you look back at in history were racist. But even for his time, arguably, Wilson was going out of his way, going beyond how racist he, quote, had to be, to be even more racist. And um just a, 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 a terrible uh, step in the wrong direction for America. Uh, and the more you learn about kind of what took place in American politics and in the culture during Wilson's time in office and around that time, 
the more you can't believe we even came out of that. The fact that like we're like still a, a basically free country today and able to have podcasts like this one. So uh, to hell with Woodrow Wilson. But around that same time, there was a good guy, maybe a little later, I think about a decade later, um, Calvin Coolidge. Hmm? Yay. Mary Alina asks about uh, him in the uh, super chat. Also, thank you to Fab06 and LMH for the super chats. Uh, Coolidge, uh, you know, from what I've seen, was not a saint, not a saint. But um, so he was maybe a little more anti-immigration than uh, I would like and uh, not perfect with his taxation. He raised a little bit of taxes, but he also slashed them. But um, most importantly, um, or among his most important things, he gave citizenship to all the Native Americans. So uh, they were no longer like a separate civilization. A lot of the natives had earned, had been granted citizenship for, um, for participating in the military or for marrying a gringo, but now they were all citizens. So we can, we should have moved on and just all been American, of course. The progressives came along and the leftists came along and said, oh, no, 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 they need to be separate. They need to, quote, preserve their culture by living in a dirty government subsidized reservation and and kept on welfare almost against their will or pressured to stay there. Uh, Very ugly. But Coolidge, in that respect, was a step in the right direction in that he uh, he granted citizenship to everybody. And that was nice. Yeah, it seems like with the exception of Roosevelt and Wilson in those early days in the in the 19th century and, and very early 20th century, they were the exceptions to the rule. Most most presidents understood the restraints of the Constitution, understood where they couldn't go. Uh, post those men, uh, Calvin Coolidge was the exception, and everyone else after him, uh, maybe maybe Warren Harding got us through uh, a depression that could have been as bad as the 29 depression, but he did the exact opposite of what Hoover and, um, and uh, Franklin Roosevelt did. So it was, you know, it was a, something that isn't noted in our history books as being particularly severe because he freed, he freed us up and, 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 uh, and cut taxes and expenditures. And so we soared through that with very little difficulty, but post Harding, um, it, it now becomes, there, there are no exceptions to the rule of growing statism. I can't think of a single president, you know, maybe with the exception of Ford, but he didn't have that much, that much time in office to, to do a great deal of damage. Yeah. Now, according to uh, what I've seen online <clears throat> on Wikipedia, so take it with a grain of salt, but I think this is fairly non-controversial. Uh, Coolidge served as VP under Harding. It, it, does that sound about right? So Harding passed away from a heart attack and then Coolidge was at home at the time. He was not in DC. He was in his own house, wherever he was living. And uh, like news came to him in the middle of the night and his, his own father, Calvin's father, let's just call him Calvin senior. I don't know. Actually, I think Calvin Coolidge was Calvin senior. His son. I should read, I should read Amity Schley's um, history of uh, Calvin Coolidge. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, his own father happened to be a notary person. So his father um, like made him officially president in the middle of the night. So he like he woke up, you know, to be told the news, he became president and went back to bed. Um, so yeah, Harding, uh, I've also heard was a sort of quote, do nothing president kind of like let the economy land where it may. I'm not going to try and run it. And these people, these people don't go 
well with historians. The do-nothing presidents are actually probably the best presidents we've had. <laughs> it's the activist ones you have to worry about. Yeah, um, it's absolutely right. Uh, as, as Jefferson said, a government that governs least governs best. But maybe, uh, maybe we need to emphasize it's a government that governs properly. There is a proper role of government. So we don't fall into this libertarian trap where like more government equals bad and less government equals better. So therefore no government is best that we don't want to get fall into that trap and go on that standard because then the anarchists always have the high ground and that spells disaster, which is why I think a lot of anarchists like who I consider uh, maybe one of the worst. I know this will trigger a lot of people, (coughs) Donald Trump, a lot of anarchists, they're either enthusiastically for Trump or they just are kind of cool with him. They, they see him as a positive. And I think uh, Michael Malice has stated what he likes about Trump is that he's making uh, political discourse impossible. He's, he's causing all this chaos. So in Michael's mind, I, in my understanding, the government falling apart completely is the goal. So kind of the more chaotic it gets, the better. And Trump is a good force in that. So for us who prefer a healthy, vibrant, coherent government that sticks to what it stays in its lane, sticks to its job, for us, Trump is just, it's like he's, uh, he's like spells the death of rule of law. He's bringing about an era of anarchy. So um, you can see how the difference between, you know, objectivists slash proper governmentists ver- are, you know, versus anarchists. Those, those, that little subtle difference is actually a huge difference in reality. Um, anyway, uh, we, we touched upon a handful of presidents. Uh, any other final honorable or dishonorable mentions come to mind, or <laughs> shall we call it a wrap? Look, the, the presidency is a rogues gallery for the most part. <laughs> I feel like uh, we have a, a handful of examples of presidents who understood their job and didn't let the power get to their heads and the rest of them um, are sort of secular, secularly anointed kings <laughs> who think they're, they're royalty. And look, I mean, the, the, the precedent was sort of set early on when, when, when Washington early on was trying to make the office prestigious enough to be, to be respected, but not so prestigious that it became an aristocracy. Well, I think we've sort of fallen over that that barrier that he put up and it's become a sort of uh, a, sor- a sort of royalty now, a form of aristocracy. And that's too bad. Yeah. Um, I hate the fact that kids are told if you work hard and you're, you follow your dreams, you can someday be president. Like that's the standard. You're like, Oh, we're so proud to have a president, you know, that looks like us, all this stuff. Like that's the primary achievement in life. How about you could someday invent the next big technology that no one can live without you know the next iphone slash smartphone equivalent how about you can invent something that will replace the internet it's so epic how about that how about you can be a billionaire how about you can be the first private trillionaire no you can be president like that's the utmost achievement uh final thought i want to mention is yeah like lincoln you mentioned he was not a saint it's history is so full of ironies also often the good guys are often planting the seeds of destruction. And yeah, the way that Lincoln subsidized the railroads, you know, many free marketeers might say that was sort of the beginning of the end. Maybe not the first subsidy ever, but a big subsidy that was used as a precedent. Remember the word precedent, folks. It was used as a precedent 
as an excuse to keep growing, to keep subsidizing, to keep expanding welfare entitlement, saying, hey, if those big companies get them, why shouldn't the little guy get them? Well, I think I feel like the Republicans were an evolution of the Whig Party. They were Whigs, Whig abolitionists, and the Whigs did think that government funds should be used to grow infrastructure and create a better society. So that's they were the proto, they were the proto progressives, if you want to call them that. Yeah. Anyway, um, and uh, Jesse Puppy uh, asked to talk more about anarchy. Another day, we are out of time. Looking forward to getting back to a lot of these topics we brushed upon today. We are about to end the show and jump onto the Clubhouse app. Folks, get on Clubhouse now. If you can't get it in time for today, get it by tomorrow. Try to get on Clubhouse. Get a hold of Razi Ginsburg, and he will invite you to the room. We're going to be doing this after every show, and we've got some guests planned. I mean, in addition to like us, you know, me and Mark, we got some guests, extra cool guests, as well as other events. Every Sunday, we're doing the weekly objective, and who knows what else will happen sort of spontaneously. Plus, other objectivists are doing rooms there. You could get to talk to them directly. It's very cool. So if you think, oh, Rucka, he's so elitist. He gets up on there, talks about how bad Trump is, and we never get a chance, us the people, to, to fire back at him. Well, here's your chance. Thank you, Mark. Thank uh, you. Thank, uh, good luck with your presidential ambitions. I'm sure your uh, condemnations of Abraham Lincoln will look great when you're, uh, when you're running for president. Good luck with that. I'm joking. Hey, hey, I, 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 heard, I heard somewhere through the grapevine that you had COVID. Are you, are you doing okay? Touche. Yes, I'm doing better each day. Uh, we'll talk more about that on Clubhouse. Please join us all there right. and momentarily, folks. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, all the super chatters. We'll be back here tomorrow for the daily objective. Thank you and goodbye. Peace.